and welcome to The Literacy Teacher's Life, a podcast for teachers and parents that gives ideas about how to help our children learn to love reading, writing, and all things literacy. I'm your host, Elizabeth Morphus, a literacy professor and a mom to two elementary-aged girls. Here we'll talk about thoughtful, creative, and realistic ways to navigate literacy learning so that your children will feel supported and seen in their reading and writing. Now, let's get this conversation started. Welcome to the Literacy Teacher's Life podcast. This is episode 24, and it is airing at the beginning of September, shortly after Labor Day. So I hope everyone had a wonderful Labor Day weekend and that September is off to a great start. Hard to believe that the summer is already over. Anyways, my semester has already begun. My kids have just begun school, but I started the last week of August, and I already met the new cohort of literacy students who are starting their graduate degrees and their literacy certifications this fall. And I've met them for the first time already, and I've also taught my first class. And this is a class on how to teach reading to elementary students. So it is a reading methods class. And I've had those students, I had them in the spring. So I know who they are and I've had them before and they know me. And both groups are really excited about literacy and they're excited about supporting their students reading and writing. So it's off to a good start. Anyways, I decided that since it's the beginning of the school year where I live, that this episode would be a bit of a mixed bag episode, covering a few different topics that I did with my students and also addressing some questions about books and stories that I've been asked about by both parents and teachers. So on that note, let's dive right in. So the first topic on my list today is actually a follow-up on the I statements activity. So this activity is one that I talked about in episode 23, the previous episode. And this is the I statement activity that I read about this summer in Katie Cunningham's book, Story Still the Heart of Literacy Learning. And just to recap for a bit on what this activity is, each student in the class writes one sentence that begins with I. And after all the students have their sentences, Each student comes up to the front of the classroom and reads their sentence aloud. So the goal of this activity is to really build a classroom community. The students learn something about their peers, and they also get to see connections between one another. So as I said, I'm teaching a reading methods course with a group of students that I have already taught. I taught them last spring. And they've been together for the past year and a half or the past three semesters, so they know one another. On the first class, on the first class session, I wanted to do something where they had to talk about their summers and what they're doing this year, like an icebreaker type of thing, but I didn't want it to take too long. So I thought that this activity, this I statement activity would work well. I explained the activity to the students, and I gave them a bunch of examples of statements that they could use for their I statement. So I put this on a PowerPoint, and some of the examples included, I am happy when, I like it when, I am frustrated by, I went to, 
And full disclosure, I thought the I went to part, they might connect to something they did over the summer. I enjoy it when, and I want everyone to know that. So these are just a few of the the sentence starters that I provided for them. And I told them that they could use anything else. It just had to begin with I. So once I explained the parameters, the students took a few minutes to write their own I statement. And then I asked them to come up to the front of the classroom and share what they wrote. I decided that I wanted this to be continuous and I did not want my voice to interrupt the flow of their statements by calling on a new student to come up and share their statement after another one finished. So I put the responsibility on the students. I told them that they were going to come up on their own one after another so that after one person was finished reading their I statement, another one was to come right up and just to keep the flow going. This was a really successful move and I'm very glad I did it because it really did end up being student-led and the students' voices were the only ones heard during this time. Okay, so what did I learn from this activity, from doing this activity with the students? So it was really amazing to see how many connections were made from the statements. I think the students themselves were also surprised. The students did not share what they were going to write about beforehand. I didn't have them turn and talk and share what they were thinking of writing. They had to do this on their own. They didn't have the opportunity to discuss it. Also, another great thing that happened The students clapped and cheered for one another after many of the sentences were read, and this was really nice to have happen. They were really supporting each other. Some shared things that were a little more personal than others. It was a really nice classroom environment, one that was supportive of everybody. And I was really pleased with how this activity went, and the students really liked it as well. A few of them were planning on trying it out with their own students who are in elementary school during the first week of school. And to me, that was a huge success. Anytime I can provide something that they can then use with their own students, that is a success to me. So we discussed how this activity gets kids writing and it gets them speaking in front of the class which is so important. So about a year ago, I had read an article that New York State had surveyed high school students. And the students felt who graduated, these are students who graduated from high school, and they felt that their writing and oral language skills were lacking. They didn't feel confident speaking in public in front of larger groups. So During the methods class, we discussed how speaking in front of others is challenging, and it is a skill that has to be developed over time. It doesn't just happen. And you can't just have kids come up in front of the classroom and speak for 20 minutes automatically. You have to build up to that. So we talked about how an activity like this, where you're coming up and reading one sentence, is a really good stepping stone, and it's a very good start at the beginning of the year. And you as the teacher are establishing that everyone's voice counts and that you expect to hear everybody's voice during class. It also helps students feel comfortable when they're speaking in front of their peers. So, and another final modification that I made 
my students and I discussed how this activity can be used in the content areas as well. So we were talking about how, yeah, this is an activity that's more like an icebreaker or getting to know you, but you could use this when you're teaching about a topic in science or in social studies or math. You can ask the students to write one sentence about something they learned or found interesting about the subject area. Then the students can share their sentences with the whole class, and this can lead to a whole class discussion on the topic. They really liked this idea and felt that they could easily implement this into their teaching of the content areas. It also allows you as the teacher to see what the students understood about the subject area and if something needs to be retaught or if you have to go further into the subject area. So just a way that this can extend beyond this one activity. Okay, so the next topic today is one that I get a lot of questions about and I have been getting a lot of questions about this summer and it's books and stories. So. This I'm calling the power of story, choosing great books for your readers. And this can be done both in the classroom and at home. So recently, I've been reading a number of articles that share that the way for parents to best support their kids with reading is to read with them. Okay, the next topic on today's list is the power of story and choosing great books with stories for your readers. And this can be done both in the classroom and at home. So this summer, I have been reading a number of articles that share that the best way for parents to support their kids with reading is to read with them. And a question I'm asked often by parents is, what kind of stories should I be reading with my kids? And really, it's any story that you think your child will like, because the stories that you choose matter because you're connecting with your child and that's what matters. And the same thing goes for teachers. We want to share stories that matter to the students in the classroom because you're helping form connections and that really matters for building the classroom community. So books share stories and we can connect with one another through stories. So let's take the example that I just shared about the I statements. And Really, with those I statements, the students were sharing a story about themselves. And through these I statements, they were able to form connections between themselves. And I was really amazed at how many connections were formed during this short activity. It was interesting how many people did similar things over the summer and shared that, or how many of the students in my class did things with their nieces or nephews or other kids in their family, such as cousins. So there were connections there. And that really helps build a classroom community. So one of our roles as elementary educators, and you could even say one of our roles as parents, is to find books that children will love reading and that they will enjoy reading so that we can connect with them through the stories that are in these books. Because stories act as windows into other worlds and other people's lives, which are wonderful to learn about. And they also act as mirrors reflecting our own lived experiences and our own lives. And that's important too. And I would argue that stories help us with communicating with one another and help us get to know one another. And I'll give you an example of this. 
When I was teaching fifth grade, I had a number of students who wanted to read books that focused on sports, particularly hockey. And it was a bit challenging to find sports-centered books, particularly hockey books. And I found a book series with the help of a local bookstore owner in Niagara Falls. And the boys in my class really connected with each other over these books and the stories that were shared in these books that they were reading. And reading this book series really allowed them to share their own experiences on their current and their previous hockey teams. And as I saw this unfold in the classroom, I thought, hmm, I wonder if this would have happened if they weren't reading this book, if this this series together. Would these discussions and would these conversations have occurred? And then bonds formed over the book series and over their discussions. So I had to do quite a bit of research as, and I mentioned, I had to work with a local bookstore to find this book series, but it was worth it because the stories in those books kept them reading and those stories got them talking with one another. And some of those students may not have communicated much if it weren't for these reading groups and this particular book series. So it was a powerful moment for me as a teacher because it showed that reading someone else's story can really help kids share their own experiences and talk about their own lives. So I've also experienced this as a teacher educator as well. I share many, many different books with the students who are in my classes, and these are students who are either working towards being teachers or they are already teachers. And after I share some books... Students will approach me and tell me that they really felt a connection to the character in the book or to the storyline of what happened in the book. And it's such a powerful moment because they might not have had that in other books that they've read. And they understand then how important it is when they're looking for books for the students who are in their own classrooms. So this past June, I went into both of my daughter's classrooms and I read, they had asked me, both my kids had asked me to read Reese Witherspoon's latest children's book, Busy Betty. And this is a story about a young girl who loves to be busy and can't stop doing things. And after a bit of a mess when she was trying to give her dog a bath, Betty's friend sees an opportunity to run a dog wash business. So I read it to my younger daughter's class, and afterwards, one of the boys in her class came up and told me that he also likes to be very busy, too. And he thought he was the only one who liked to stay so busy. So he was very happy to see that there is somebody else, Betty, who also likes to be busy just the way he does. So again, it was a really nice connection from the story. So what do we do after we find these great stories to share with kids? So for teachers, these are great to read aloud to students. You can ask students questions so that they can begin to make text-to-text connections where they're noticing similarities with other books that they've already read or the books that you've read to them. They can make text-to-self connections where they connect to their own lives, just like this kindergarten student connected Betty being busy to himself being busy. Or they can even make text-to-world connections. So after reading to your students, get them talking and sharing their own stories that relate to the book or maybe that don't relate to the book with a partner or with a small group. 
At the beginning, you're going to have to show them how to do this, but after a while, they'll get the hang of it. And I know there's not a lot of time in the day, but this really doesn't need to take tons of time. It can take just a few minutes after a read aloud. But those few minutes can be so powerful. And you're teaching the students to think about and discuss the stories that you are choosing to share during the school day. And for parents, when you're reading to your child at home, you can help try to make connections to your own life and ask your child to do the same. So I'll give you an example of what I've been doing with my older daughter. So this summer, my older daughter and I have been reading The Little House on the Prairie books. And full disclosure, I am not much of an outdoor person. I like to take walks, but I am not someone who enjoys camping or being in the wilderness. So when we started reading the first book in the series, which is Little House in the Big Woods, I told my daughter that I don't know how I would have lived during this time. And when we were reading about what the Ingalls family had to do, particularly in the winter to keep warm, I kept making connections to myself, telling my daughter how challenging this would be for me. She found this so interesting and would ask me questions at particular parts of the book about whether or not I would like living this way. And I told my daughter that for me, Reading this book series is really a window into another way of life and another way of living, one that I think would be very challenging for me. She thought this was quite funny. Anyway, these are important conversations to have with children. And reading the books together, we are opening up our minds to new people, places, and ideas. And that's definitely something that we were doing while reading the Little House series. So I'm curious, what books and stories are you sharing with the students who are in your classroom or at home with your children? Definitely feel free to send me an email. I would love to hear what you're reading and what your kids and your students are enjoying. All right. So the final part of today's episode is about the new school year. I am very excited that it's September. I think of September more as the new year than I do January, actually. And for me, the summer months are just so different than the academic year. During the summer, the schedules and the routines are much more laid back, and my days are not nearly as structured as they are during the school year. And the past few summers, I haven't been teaching, so I'm not interacting with students in the same way that I do during the academic year. So everything's just a little different. And for me, the summer is a good time to be more relaxed and not so disciplined about bedtimes and waking up as early as I do during the school year. And it's great for a few months at least. And then it's really nice to get back into the routine of the fall. So fall is really when I get back into a more structured schedule and routine. I'm back to teaching. So I'm working with students on a daily basis. And I think of this time as a great time to set goals for myself, personal goals, as well as professional goals. And I have found it even more beneficial to set new goals at the start of September than I do to set them for the beginning of January. And for my life and my schedule, being so centered around the academic calendar, it just makes more sense. So I'm curious if anyone else feels this way, if September feels like a better start to the year than January. 
Anyways, I'll share some of my goals. And some of these include a writing project that I am going to begin starting. I did a substantial amount of research this summer to prepare for this writing project. I put together a whole plan for how and when I will work on this project. And I feel like I did a great amount of prep work over the summer to get myself ready for the work and what I have to do to be able to finish when I'd like to finish this. Some personal goals I have include getting enough sleep. And for me, this means going to bed earlier. Laura Vanderkam has said that going to bed early is the grown-up version of sleeping in. So I'm going to really be disciplined about doing this this year. I do teach in the evening. So I've even set a time when I want to go to sleep on nights that I am teaching. And the big one is making sure that my daily to-do lists are realistic rather than just loading too much on them. I tend to put way too many things on my daily list, and there's just no possible way that I can get all of this done on one particular day. So I'm really trying to be very realistic about what I can accomplish on a given day. Again, I'm curious, does September feel more like New Year's to you? I'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you're setting any new goals for this time, what are they? All right. Before we end, I'm going to end on a positive note. And I'm going to make this a personal one today. I'm really pleased with the number of books I was able to read this summer. I set a goal to read a number of books focused on literacy and was able to read all of them during the summer break. I also read a bunch of books for pleasure, lots of novels, which I don't often read. I tend to read a lot more nonfiction than fiction. So it was really nice to have that change. And I did notice something. The more I read, and I was reading during the day a lot, and the more I read, the more my kids saw me reading and the more they started to read. So I was thinking back to my conversations with Matt De La Pena and John Shu, how they were talking about having your kids seeing you read and how it helps to get your kids reading. And I do think there's some truth to that because I did see an increase in my kids reading when I was reading more. So it was just something interesting to notice and interesting to think about when we want our kids to read. Okay. That's it for this episode. I hope I shared something in this episode that you found helpful. I will be back in two weeks. I hope everyone has had a great start to the school year and to the month of September. Again, you can find me on Instagram at The Literacy Teacher's Life, or you can check out my blog at theliteracyteacherslife.com. Until next time. And that's it for this episode of The Literacy Teacher's Life. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at The Literacy Teacher's Life. My email address is Elizabeth at theliteracyteacherslife.com. Thank you so much for listening. Please tell a friend about this podcast. And of course, you can leave me a review on any podcast platform where you listen. I so appreciate it. I'll see you next time. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.